Well, we're in the book of Acts, and we are in chapter 18, and I've entitled the message, Blind Spots, We All Have Them. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse 24. This is where we left off a couple of weeks ago, right before Mother's Day, actually. So please, out of love and respect and esteem for the Word of God, stand to your feet. Those of you that are watching, thank you. Follow along as we read, beginning in verse 24. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, He spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today that Jesus is Messiah. He is the Anointed One. He is the Savior of the world. We thank You for this section of Scripture. We thank You for this towering figure, Apollos. Thank You for His humility. Thank You for His hunger. Thank You for His honesty. Thank you, Lord, for his willingness to be instructed by Aquila and Priscilla. Thank you that he recognized his blind spots and allowed other godly people to point them out. May we all be as wise as Apollos today. I pray and ask your blessing in the names above every name, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, you may be seated. What an amazing guy Apollos is, right? Here's this guy, he's an orator. He is eloquent in his speaking abilities. He is fervent in spirit. He is a defender of the message of Jesus Christ. And yet, he had some blind spots. You know, we all have blind spots. God wants to send people into our life, even as for Apollos, it happened to be Priscilla and Aquila who took him aside. You know what I love about this section of Scripture is that God is in the business of allowing divine appointments to occur in our lives at crucial moments in our life, divine appointments. How else could a couple from Europe, actually came from Rome, from Europe, Priscilla and Aquila, a man from Africa, Apollos from Alexandria, and a a man from Tarsus or Asia, the Apostle Paul, how could these Three sets of individuals converge in one location, in one place, only by the Lord through what is called divine appointments. In the book of Psalms, chapter 37 and verse 23, it says, the steps of a good man or a good woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. You have to believe that your steps are ordered of the Lord. Whatever, wherever those steps lead you, it's ultimately the God that's leading you. You are a person of destiny. Your life is about destiny. And the people that God wants to bring into your life are those that he wants to bring you into their life. You all will converge according to God's timing 
God's way, in God's divine location, because ultimately it is the unseen sovereign hand of God that is guiding the affairs of mankind, but especially your affairs and my affairs, because we are people of destiny. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a person of destiny. Those of you that are watching, I declare that you are a person of destiny. Say to yourself, I am a person of destiny. This story is also a story about untapped potential. As talented as Apollos was, I mean, I don't know any other person in the Bible that is identified as an eloquent speaker. Now, it says Jesus spoke with power like no one had ever spoken before, but he's in a whole other category all by himself. But the Bible wants to point out to us that this guy, Apollos, was one of the best orators this planet, this world had ever seen. If Apollos had a podcast, if the technology existed then like it does now, he, not Joe Rogan, would have like 190 million downloads every month, right? Because he was an eloquent speaker. He was fervent in spirit. And yet, he had not yet reached his potential. God still wanted to bring people into his life to help point out his blind spots. So I love verse 26. It says, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla heard him. So thank God Priscilla and Aquila were were couples like so many of you that were involved in a local church. The synagogue was our version of the local church uh, in, in in the first century. And these, this couple, they were there, and they're like, wow, he, he was speaking very powerfully about Christ and the message of Christ to those in the synagogue. But they said, you know what? He's, he's a little off. He, he, he's incomplete in his bringing the full gospel, the full message. He only knew John's baptism. As we will be discussing next weekend, Pentecost Sunday is next weekend, we will be discussing how when Paul came to this region, He taught them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All Apollos knew was the baptism of John. I believe the message that the the full gospel that Priscilla and Aquila brought to Apollos was not just John's baptism, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the beautiful thing is they took him aside. You know, in your life and in in my life, who, who in our lives have we given the open invitation, the right and the ability to take us aside from time to time and to help us along in our spiritual development, in our spiritual growth? Who do we invite into our life to speak into our life so that we can reach that next level of growth and development in our life? We have to be open to that. You see, in life, it's so important that we all know what we don't know. (laughs) Some people don't know what they don't know. They're dangerous. We need to know that we don't know everything, and we want to learn. Look at Psalm 19 and verse 12. Let's read this out loud together. None of us can see our own errors. Deliver me, Lord, from hidden faults. That's an important prayer to pray regularly. Deliver me, Lord, from hidden faults. So we all have blind spots because none of us can see our own errors. None of us can see our own errors. Man, that's why God sends a wife into your life, because there's nothing like a wife that can point out your flaws. Amen. (laughs) But we all have errors, whether it's personal, spiritual, relational, marital, professional. We all have errors. We just, we can't see them. You see, nobody has a monopoly on on truth. We all have 
these blind spots. And Apollos needed to be able to welcome and invite feedback into his life. Now, all the wise people that you know and all the wise people that you admire, here's the one thing they all have in common. They're not held hostage by their own opinions. Yes, we have our own beliefs. Yes, we have our own perspectives. Yes, we all have our own opinions about many things in life. But the ultimate authority in our life is God's Word. Uh, we do not want to commit the sin of rebellion, for it says the sin of witchcraft. We, we do not want to commit the sin of stubbornness because it is as the sin of idolatry. We don't want to be rebellious. We don't want to be stubborn. We, do, we never want to elevate our own personal opinion or belief above what thus saith the Lord. Can I get a witness in the house of God today? Those of you watching online, give me a thumbs up. Give me a heart emoji or a face, whatever you do over there. Let me know you're out there. Praise the Lord. We have to be willing to yield to God's Word, yield to the Spirit of grace and the Spirit of truth. If someone can offer a compelling, rational, logical rebuttal to what it is that you believe, we should be willing to change our minds, especially when it's on a theological issue of right and wrong based on truth. You know the old saying, uh, don't confuse me, don't confuse me with the facts, my mind is already made up. Far too many people live that way, right? Um, they have so many Christians practice concrete theology. What's concrete theology? They're thoroughly mixed and settled. And there's an old saying that's so true, ignorance is the devil's college. And some people have a PhD from that university. <laughs> now I know, I know, let me have a little fun here. I know some people aren't really stupid. They just have bad luck when it comes to thinking. And we need to pray for those individuals. Some people, when a thought crosses their mind, it is a long and lonely journey. That's why the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, my people are destroyed for what? A lack of what? Not a lack of effort, not a lack of prayer, not a lack of worship, as important as all those are. But God, through the prophet Hosea, said, my people are destroyed for one thing, for a lack of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of the Lord. Knowledge of the Scriptures. And we all have errors. Things we believe to be true that, friend, they are not true. And those, those beliefs, those opinions that you hold near and dear need to be tested. Yeah, but my mama taught me that. So what? My daddy taught me that. So what? My priest or my pastor or my Sunday school teacher or my favorite coach or my favorite this or my favorite that. So what? What does God's Word say? The final authority in our life is thus saith the Lord. Let God be true and every man a liar, the Apostle Paul said. So what is a blind spot? Uh, it actually refers to a, a part of the retina that is insensitive to light, which results in an actual spot in the eye where a person can't see. Blind spots. When you're driving your car, in your, in your side mirrors, you have blind spots, right? And they, those are dangerous. You should never drive in someone's blind spot, right? Because they could just cut you right off. Now, new cars with new technology, they have a little light, a warning light that comes on to let you know that you are in someone's blind spot. What's the warning light in our life? that the signal, the Holy Spirit goes off that says you, you're, in a, you're, you're going into a blind spot here or you are succumbing to a blind spot. How many know that whole societies 
cultures for generations can suffer from blind spots. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. It was December 12, 1799. The great first president of the United States, George Washington, was at the age of 67. He was 30 months into his retirement from being president of the United States, and he was enjoying the 500 beautiful acres along the Potomac River where he had retired. About 10 p.m., he answers into his journal that the day was cold, it had snowed, it had rained, it had hailed. He had a sore throat. He woke up the next day, he wasn't feeling good. There was a medical practice back then they actually thought was a, a means to cure people who were ill. They actually got it from the Egyptians. It's called bloodletting. So the next day, he with his wife there and uh, a trusted advisor and a physician, they began to drain the blood because he was suffering from a fever, and they began to drain the blood from uh, former President George Washington. They did it until he had lost 80% or 80 ounces, excuse me, 80 ounces of his blood, which is about 40 to 50% of his blood. George Washington grew weaker and weaker throughout the day and that evening, as said to his doctors, I feel myself going. I thank you for your attention, and I pray that you take no more troubles about me. Let me go off quietly. I cannot last long. He died a little after 10 p.m. He didn't have to, but because of a blind spot, a medical blind spot, a procedure they believed to be useful and helpful, which was not, it cost him his life. Here's another societal blind spot that occurred in 1885. Did you know that the drugstores, pharmacists actually sold cocaine cough drops? I'm not making this up. Here's a, a, a printed uh, version of a promotional, cocaine toothache drops. You say, I don't believe it. Look it up for yourself. They actually sold this to parents to give to their kids. I mean, I could see in someone's house, honey. Yes, Johnny's not going to sleep. He's, he's got some pain. Did you give him his cocaine cough drops? <laughs> no, where are they? They're on the counter. Okay, all right, Johnny, open wide. How much? Just one drop. Okay, open wide, Johnny, here you go. Bloop. One for Johnny. Bloop, bloop, two for Daddy. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> Societal blind spots. You know, some of you parents feel guilty for giving your kids Tylenol, you know, when they're teething because it knocks them right out. Ooh, free time for mommy, free time for daddy. Right? Could you imagine giving them cocaine drops? <laughs> what dangerous blind spots do we have? You know, there was a time when, when the world believed that, that the earth was flat. Cornucopius in the 16th century discovered that the sun, not the earth, was the center of the universe. And when Galileo tried to begin to speak that, the church threw him in prison and gave him a lifetime sentence because he said the earth wasn't the center of, of the universe, but the sun was. Sometimes we're not just suffering from a blind spot, but total spiritual blindness. As today, we are suffering from spiritual blindness in our country, in our world, when it comes to the sanctity of life, the sacredness of marriage, and to religious freedoms. Oh God, may you give us our sight back. Oh God, may you open our eyes. Oh God, may we see with your eyes once again. Now friend, change only happens when three things, at least three things occur. And these three things occurred in the life of Apollos. And that's why he is a towering figure 
for all of us, in the Scriptures and for all of us. That's why He's an example for all of us. Change only happens when we are humble before God, when we are hungry for the truth, and when we are honest with ourselves. The first one is, change only occurs when we are humble. One of my favorite verses, I'm sure it's one of your favorite verses, we could probably all quote it out loud uh, by memory, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, but let's read it out loud together. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what's required. It's not a suggestion. If you're going to be a follower of truth, a follower of God, a follower of Christ, then you and I, it is required that we walk humbly with God, that we know what we don't know, that we admit we don't have it all, we don't have our act all together. Nobody does. That we still have plenty of room to grow in our relationship with God. All of us can draw and, and be drawn closer to Christ in relationship with Him. Humility. You see, prideful people, they can't change because, well, they know it all. And it would be too big of a blow to their Texas-sized ego to admit that they are wrong. But humble people are open to godly, kind, loving correction in their life. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, it's a powerful verse, and it says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So many people are puffed up in the body of Christ. So many people are puffed up in this country. We've never had more knowledge and more information and less meaning than we do today in our culture. More information, but the less meaning and understanding of the purpose and the meaning of life. So who in your life, it's a serious question, who in your life, other than your peers who are your same age, who in your life have you given the right to take you aside and to explain more clearly the ways of God in your life? It's a beautiful term, they took him aside, they took him aside. Some translations said they invited him over to their house for dinner because in the Greek, that phrase, took him aside, it's a very loving, affirming gesture on the part of Priscilla and Aquila. The, 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 these, were, these were amazing people. This, this, this couple, flat out, is just an amazing couple. We have many couples like that in our church. In many churches throughout our city, state, country, and around the world, there are, there are couples like Priscilla and Aquila who lovingly involve their lives and the lives of, the, of this generation, of the next generation, of the upcoming generation, and pour wisdom into them. As they did, they sat there and they heard Apollos and they said, wow, this guy is incredible. And yeah, but he, he, needs, to be, he needs to be coached up. He needs to be directed and, and, and kind of redirected and expounded upon in his, in his theology. So let's, let's invite him over for dinner. And that's what they did. And Apollos... Apollos was humble enough to receive correction. Think of this. He was an Alexandrian scholar from Alexandria, Apollos. Eloquent in speech, fervent in spirit. Basically, this was his rank. It would correspond with somebody today being a graduate from Oxford or Cambridge. And he was willing to go to the house of Priscilla and Aquila. And who were they? Jewish tent makers. Really? Apollos could have said, uh, excuse me, what do you do and who are you? Uh, no, I don't think so. But the humility. You see, the people that God can use 
And the people that God uses to his glory are people who are humble. God resists the proud, but he gives grace. He is attracted to those of us that are of a contrite spirit and of a broken heart. Those of us who humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Don't act like a know-it-all, because no one is a know-it-all. You know, I haven't quoted Charles Finney in a long, long time in any of my messages. Those of you that don't know, Charles Finney was one of the greatest revivalists this country has ever known. Part of the great awakenings, Charles Finney. Not Charles Spurgeon, Charles Finney. He said this, Be honest with yourself, and if you have harbored this spirit of hell, repent deeply before God or he will never forgive you. Spoken like only Charles Finney could speak it. Be honest with yourself. If you have harbored this spirit of hell, what is the spirit of hell? The spirit of pride and envy and jealousy. For These are triplets that travel in life together. We must be humble. Humble. You know, early in my preaching years when I was in Albuquerque, I remembered on, it was on Veterans Weekend or Memorial Weekend, I, I was all fired up and I said, thank God for our four branches of the military, military, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, let's give it up for them. And then I continued preaching. And after service, a distinguished looking elderly gentleman walked up to me as I was greeting people in the foyer and he said, I said, Pastor Carl, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, sure. And very kindly and humbly and graciously, he said, you know, there are actually five branches of the military. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, five, yeah. The Coast Guard. And he had his Coast Guard pin on. He had retired from the Coast Guard. And, and uh, he was so kind about it, though. And you know what? I've never forgotten since then to mention Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard. Come on, let's give it up for the Coast Guard, right? <laughs> I actually have two nep- nephews that are serving in the in the Coast Coast Guard. But I accepted that. I was thankful for that. My first year back in 2001 when I was preaching here as, as the newly uh, installed pastor of Trinity Church, I, uh, I made a mistake once, right? I had never made, I've never made the same mistake twice. In my preaching, I referred to the Holy Land and I called it Palestine. Well, all the commentaries refer to the Holy Land as Palestine, and I don't know if I was reading a quote or I was just quoting what I had uh, studied in my commentary based on a text that I was preaching from, and a wise, godly, wonderful missionary in our church, who's gone on to be with the Lord since then, pulled me aside in a very kind, loving way, said, Pastor, I know you didn't mean to, but in the message today, when you were referring to the land that God gave to Abraham and his descendants, the holy people of God, the children of Israel, you mentioned and called it Palestine. And I'm like, I did? Forgive me, may I never do that again? Amen. She corrected me in love. You know, it's really part of the, 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 uh, the Roman Empire and their propaganda. They're the ones, the emperor uh, Hadrian is the first one to call Israel Palestine in 135 AD. It, it has nothing to do with biblical truth and the land that God gave to his people. But I was open to and thankful for these times, and there have been other occasions when people... Now, all of you, thank God you can't come up to me today because you're all going to say, he's just given me an invitation to correct him. Well, you know, send an email, <laughs> you know, first pray for me or whatever, okay? <laughs> but change only happens when we are what? Number one, say it with me, 
humble. And number two, when we are hungry, when we are hungry for God's truth. May you never lose your spiritual appetite. During this lockdown, shutdown, pandemic, pandemic, epidemic, may, may, you, may you not lose your spiritual fervor, your spiritual hunger for the Word of God, for God's truth, and for, and for being fed the Word of God. Hunger. Jesus said in Luke 16, 21, part of the Sermon on the Mount, He said, God blesses you who are hungry. <laughs> God blesses who? Those who are what? If you want to be blessed, you got to remain hungry, for you will be satisfied. If you're not being satisfied, if you're not being satisfied with these sermons, it's because you're not hungry enough. It's not because the sermons aren't good enough. It's because, <laughs> see, I know how to shift the blame, amen. You know the amazing thing about Jesus, he would drop word bombs. What's a word bomb? Like, like, boom, out of nowhere, he would say something ridiculously convert, uh, controversial. Like, why did you say that now, Jesus? Why did you say it that way, and why did you say it to those people? Because you know you're just going to make them angry. But he would do it. He did it in this same context, because we just read verse 21. Look at Luke 6, 25, and look at what Jesus says. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you. Let's end right there. Thank you, Lord, for a wonderful message today. We're all encouraged. <laughs> may, may we go home and not be fat and prosperous. It might be the Lord was describing the American church here. You know, maybe during this, this shutdown, maybe this is a time of testing. You know God tests His people? He tested Abraham in the Old Testament. Take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him up on, a, on, a, on an altar. He tested Jesus in the New Testament. We preached on this at the beginning of this, uh, this year, you know, uh, into the wilderness. We, Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tested. Maybe this is a time of testing, and hopefully we will pass the test. Maybe God wants us to not be fat and sassy or fat and prosperous. He wants us to be lean and mean, Holy Ghost fighting machines in these last days. Amen. Of all people, Soren Kierkegaard has the best story, illustration concerning not being fat and prosperous. Uh, it's just, the story goes like this. There was a duck that was flying with his flock in the springtime northward across uh, Europe. And during the flight, he came down to a, a Danish barnyard and where he saw some tame ducks that were living there. And he enjoyed some of their corn. Uh, he stayed for an hour and then a day and then a week, and, and then a, a month. And finally, because he relished the good fare and the safety of the barnyard, he stayed all summer. But one autumn day, when the flock of wild ducks were winging their way southward again, they passed over the barnyard, and their mate heard their cries. He was stirred with a strange thrill of joy and delight, and with a great flapping of the wings, he rose in the air to join his old comrades in their flight. But he found that his good fare had made him soft and heavy, that he could rise no higher than the roof of the barn. So he dropped back down again in the barnyard and said to himself, Oh, well, my life is safe here. The food is good. And every spring and autumn, when he heard the wild ducks calling, his eyes would gleam for a moment and he would begin to flop his wings. But finally the day came when the wild ducks flew over 
and uttered their cry, but he paid not the slightest attention to them. The moral of the story is if we're not careful, we, be, we can become so domesticated in our faith that we no longer hunger for the things above. May we stay humble and may we stay hungry. May we not lose our spiritual fervor and our spiritual appetite for the things of God. Are you humble? Are you hungry? Finally, change only happens. We want to follow the example of this towering figure, Apollos, who was taken aside by Priscilla and Aquila and taught more accurately the ways of the Lord. He was humble. He was hungry for more truth, and he was honest. People only change when they're hungry, when they're humble, when they're hungry, and when they're honest. Look at 1 John 1.8. Let's read it out loud together. If we say that we have no sin, we are false to ourselves, and there is nothing true in us. One of the worst things in life is to lie to yourself, to be false to yourself. Shakespeare, you know, one of the greatest uh, moments of, of, of literature in our world, poetry, was when he said, to thine own self be true. Honesty. Be honest with yourself. Be honest that you don't know it all, and, and be humble and be hungry to learn to learn from those who are where you would like to be someday in your life, personally, spiritually, professionally, relationally. And that's why Proverbs 23, 23, it says, buy the truth and sell it not. You see, the old saying is true, easy come, easy go. Perhaps the great nuggets of biblical truth come so easily to us and so frequently to us that we no longer value the truth that Jesus said, You'll know that truth, and that truth will make you free. But not only will it make you free, it will keep us free. The value of truth that we value in our lives, truth. Speak the truth to me, O Lord. Show me in the pages of your holy book. Speak that I might know. I don't want to believe something just because everybody else believes it, because it's popular today, because it's politically correct today. I want to know what the truth is for my life. And so the Bible says you have to buy it. It's going to cost you something. You know, diamonds are valuable because they're rare. Gold is valuable because it's rare. And where do you find diamonds and gold? You've got to dig deep. You know, it's amazing. Jesus spoke in parables. Why didn't he just speak the truth plainly? People wouldn't have appreciated it. They weren't ready for it. They weren't hungering for it. And the precious gems of the truth of God's word. You don't cast your pearls before swine or you, you don't give your blessings to dogs. That's what Jesus said. You and I have to be worthy of the truth of God's word. That's why many times sermons fall on deaf ears because we're not humble, we're not hungry, we're not honest. We don't think we need it. We think, well, this message is for the next guy or for the next person. No, what is the Lord saying to me? What's the Lord saying to you in this message today? The value of truth. We want to know because we want to grow. Lord, I want to know. So he says, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. 
He will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of His Son, that you might know the secret things, the deep things, the mysteries of our faith. Paul writes about the musterion, the Greek word for mystery, the mystery of our faith. God incarnate, Christ came in the flesh, God in human form. Oh, the deep things of God. And the Lord wants to share those deep truths with all of us. He wants you to know because He wants you to grow. But you and I must be willing to allow the godly men and women that He sends into our life, whether they come from Africa or Europe or Asia or across the street. (laughs) Amen. Allow those people to take us aside and to teach us more accurately the ways of God's Word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank You for today. We thank You for the Word of God being sown in our hearts. Thank You that we are good soil for the seed to be planted. Thank You the birds of the air or Satan will not come and snatch this Word away from us. I I rebuke that in Jesus' name from happening. It will not be sown in shallow ground where it will spring up but not last. It will not be sown amongst thorns and thistles. But our hearts are humble, our hearts are hungry, our hearts are honest. And we say, Lord, speak to your servant, for your servant listens. And may we apply it. May we live it out. Out of the joy of serving you. Heads bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're watching online and you need to surrender your life to Jesus or you need to rededicate your life to Christ if you're a Christian that's gone astray the Father is waiting with open arms He loves you He's calling you into relationship with Him the Bible says if we confess our sins He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness Romans 10 9 says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead you will be saved I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer out loud with all of us that are here those of you that are watching right now Be sure you say it with your own mouth and mean it from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you, serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Can we do that?